Welcome to episode 131 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. I'm Bryn Jackson. <laughs> and I'm Brian Lovin. <laughs> this episode, we talked to Joshua Taylor. Uh, Taylor? <laughs> ta- Taylor? It was kind of fun. I think you worked at Evernote? We've had him on the show before. With Mark Hemian? It's just questions all the way down. Rising inflection at the end of every sentence? <laughs> you know what's not a question? This episode is sponsored by Wayno. Wayno? <laughs> God damn it, Brian. Wayno is our favorite agency. We hang out with them all the time. They're the best and they do incredible work. Uh, we're super honored to be sponsored with them because they just want to tell you that they exist and that they're hiring. Like that's a huge compliment to us that they want you people to know that they're hiring. So go to wayno.co, U-E-N-O dot C-O. First things first, check out their work. It's amazing. Uh, you've probably seen it around the web on different apps like the new Reuters app that they designed. Uh, you've probably seen them on Dribble if you've ever been on Dribble. And their team is growing, cranking out amazing work. They're an incredible group of people and they want you to join them. So you should do Again, it. Again, go to wayno.co, check out their work and then click the careers link in their header. Tell them that we sent you. Uh, they're already starting to look for interns for 2017, which would be uh, probably one of the better internships in the world. Uh, so I highly recommend it if you are in literally the world, a design student, a younger designer. Uh, they are starting to look for next year. So give that a try. And thank you to Wayno for just supporting us, sponsoring this. And the least we can do is ask that you check them out at Wayno.co. And with that, let's get into episode 131 with Joshua Taylor. My name is Joshuan Taylor. Yoshuan. Also known as Joshua. With an N in the middle, I always describe it as Joshua N as in Nancy. Mm. It's not my middle name, but... Joshua Nancy. Joshua Nancy Is Taylor. it Nathan? Very dang close. Nathaniel. Nathaniel. <gasps> Boom. First, second try. I like that. First and a half. First and <laughs> 1.5. <laughs> <laughs> Version 1.5 of that was good. Uh, yeah. Joshua Taylor. Um... Joshua and Taylor on all the things that matter. Um, Snapchat. Not uh, Snapchat. Why not Snapchat? I don't get it. Me either. I am on Vine. I don't know. Yeah, I'm a um, contract designer. Work with um, a lot of cool startups, mostly small, uh, tiny little things, helping them launch their first app. Um, But then some bigger companies too, like Airbnb, doing some stuff with Credit Karma. Um, I was previously a design director at Evernote for for a while. I was there for four years. That's a long while. That is a while. That is a Silicon Valley eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, awesome. It was super fun. Is that why you live in Oakland? That is not why I live in Oakland. I moved to Oakland as soon as I left Evernote. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Aren't they in Oakland? No, they're what? down in they're down in Redwood City. So I don't do commutes. Like that's not a thing that I'm that I'm into. I think a lot of people I guess like going somewhere for an hour and a half no, both ways. nobody does. <laughs> Apparently, because everybody does it. I drive by the Evernote office every day and I say, 20 more minutes. Ah, he so drives close. by in that he rides on a fancy on bus. I ride by. I ride by. No, I, I lived down right by work. I was like a couple miles away so I could like walk if I wanted to. I normally rode my bike. Um, didn't love that area. It was all right. It's what American suburbs want to be. Uh, so what are you working on right now? Um, yeah, I'm I'm doing contract stuff with uh, Credit Karma mm-hmm. right now. So, Sweet. Um, what else are you working on right now? <laughs> oh, you're digging. You're digging. Um, yeah, I'm doing that. And then I'm also um, building a new app. So um, this is my first for me, um, doing my own thing. And so 
it's been pretty fun, a good learning experience. But um, I like that you called an app, not a startup. Yeah, because it's not a startup. <laughs> I'm not doing a startup. <laughs> I'm doing an app. Um, if at some point it becomes successful and starts to generate money and becomes a business, we'll start talking about it being a company or a startup. Look at this being reasonable or <laughs> some shit oh, in the middle of Silicon Valley. <laughs> this is this is not how you're supposed to go about things. I understand. You're supposed to have already raised money. Yeah, you're doing this all wrong. I haven't. <laughs> I was thinking about building a product first. Um, <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> this is crazy talk. That's how it go, man. Hmm. Um, Old yeah, um, I'm really excited. A couple more months, um, hopefully launching in the fall, maybe before that, probably not. Um, but yeah, trying to actually address some of the issues in the podcast world. <gasps> Relevant. Relevant. We don't have any problems, so um, everything here is perfect. You guys perfect. don't. Anybody that's listening to this right now might, um, might have oh. a couple things that they wish they would get out of the podcast listening experience. Um, I know Do I, people I did. Do replace hosts? Is that what it does? Did it replace the host with someone no, else? No, <laughs> someone funnier? it finds better hosts. It doesn't replace them. It, it just finds better ones. It actively improves the hosts. <laughs> the pun it, game. Well, it improves your listening experience. Hosts are, you know, part of that. Do you want people to do user testing for you? Mm, yes, you should. Actually, um, we can send people to you yeah, right I'd now. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, Joshua in Taylor. Joshua Taylor and as in Nancy. Um, and you can also you can I mean if you're if you're down for the wait you can go to hyperapp.fm or hyperapp.fm. Um, you can sign up to get notified when it's ready. But um, yeah, I think there's a lot of really really cool stuff that you can do once you start getting um, you and your friends listening together. And That's hype all each I'm going to say. I know that you're in a sensitive period of development. Where you don't want to talk too much, but I'm just it's, curious. It's stealth mode. Stealth. So he's talking about it on a podcast. I understand you're in stealth mode, so you're just going to talk about it to a bunch of designers. Uh, like 15,000, it's no why, big deal. Why, why podcasts? Is this something that you're you're inherently passionate about or you just saw a problem? Yeah, I just saw a problem. He was I on mean, one episode is... and didn't get enough listeners. <laughs> I was like, that did <laughs> not work. Nobody <laughs> talked about me. No, this is, this is actually like why podcasts might not be the right question. Like... Um, I wanted to build something. Like I'm in a place, and I think a lot of designers are, where they're just like, we need to build stuff. And um, that's why it's a it's an app. It's not a business. I mean, it might be a business one day. Like I only wanted to choose something that I thought had the potential to be something big. I think it could be. Like it like yeah. but it has a lot of steps that has to go through before it becomes big. And the first is like build something that works and that people love. So that was kind of my criteria for finding something. So I there's like podcasts is like there's this really cool emotional like awesome content that people love and engage with and want more out of. And everybody's like asking for podcast apps to do stuff that they aren't doing. Um, my favorite new thing recently, I posted a Twitter poll. I don't know if you guys saw this posted a Twitter poll the other day. Um, how many of you have cried while listening to a podcast? I did see that. Did you say, did you, how, what's your guess? How many people, like what percentage of people said yes? My guess is 20% of people said yes. I'm pretty sure I saw you answer this question oh, already. Fair enough. Eighty-two <laughs> percent of people said yes. I've cried while listening to a podcast. Not only that, like, like I'm not like, like when I post stuff on Twitter, it doesn't like blow up. But like this had like tons of people responding and like saying, yeah, like this episode made me cry like crazy. Like this, this podcast makes me cry like every single week. And just t- sharing like Jesus. tons of like what podcast? Tons is of stuff. Uh, mostly like Radiolab in this American Life. <laughs> Apparently those are like real sob stories. Wow. Um, 
But the point is that like this is really emotional content. And I don't think anybody's really tapped into like how emotional and how like how connected we are with the content that we're listening to. And it's very much just like transmission. It's like, hey, we have this stuff, we're gonna transmit it to you. And here's the way to digest it. And it's just very transactional and functional. And I think that like someone needs to come along and like do something that feels a little bit more emotive and ties into like the reasons of why we actually listen to podcasts. So I wonder if anyone's cried while listening to an episode of Design Details. Only because we mm. said dumb shit. If you've cried while listening why to an episode, this better? <laughs> if you've cried to listening to this podcast, please uh, tweet me, Joshua and Taylor. Joshua and Taylor. Joshua. You're valuable for user research. I, I want to know this. That would be actually, there's surely somebody has. What uh, what podcast are you listening to right now? Um, Let's see. Um, there's a bunch of good ones. There's so much good stuff. Um, I'm into, that. I'm, I'm proud of my first answer, which is another round. Women of the hour. If you're looking for stuff, go to Sampler. That's like, have you guys not done Sampler? I don't know what Sampler is. Never heard of it. They find the best podcasts every week. It's just like, it's like a best of uh-huh. podcast uh-huh. show. Mm. You guys haven't been on there yet. I haven't heard. Well, like then the it, last they're one, not like, doing a very good job. You know what I'm saying? They're so good. Like the last one was was all about Lemonade and like all the different ways that like different podcasts have responded to Lemonade. Like the sugary lemony drink. Ah, <sighs> oh, for fuck's sake. Moving on. Where are you from? Oh, Backstory. Um, I'm from Orlando, Florida. I regret asking. The Boons. <laughs> <laughs> um, no offense to anybody in Florida, but um, yeah, just no offense to anybody in Florida. It's a good, <laughs> it's a good place. I won't live there anymore. Um, <laughs> so I, I left there like ten years ago. Um, after college, started doing design work. Um, were you studying design in college? No, I studied Spanish. Oh. So I guess it, like to go back even further. Yeah, actually, I think we're just coming up on the twenty-year anniversary of Toy Story, something like that. Ninety-five, ninety-five or ninety-six. Maybe maybe we just had. Maybe we we're just over the. I have the no time. idea. Anyway, I think you're right. Um, that was huge for me, and I was like super into three D animation for a while. Um, and I took some classes in high school on three D animation because of Toy Story. You wanted to make the the eyes peel back well here's the thing i finally realized that like most of like 3d animation is actually math and then i was like screw this shit <laughs> i'm like i'm out well um yeah so then i i started i wanted to study uh, like art but i also wanted to play soccer in college um ended up doing neither of those things instead i just studied uh studied spanish but when as soon as like as i was graduating like picked up a copy of uh i guess i had had photoshop for a while picked up illustrator and started making stuff making logos and um, got out of school, went and got married pretty quickly, um, to my wife and, uh, just started making stuff, man. We, um, we didn't really know where we were going to live. So we moved to Salt Lake city. We had a couple of friends that were there and I had never been there, but I was like, whatever, like, sounds cool. <laughs> really? That was your criteria? Yeah. Holy shit. We, uh, we were just like, we're just like down for new stuff. My wife's from Costa Rica and we had planned on going to Costa Rica after I, we got married. Mm-hmm. And um, we realized that we didn't want to do that while we were on our honeymoon. And we're like, oh, that plan actually doesn't really work out. So, yeah, we went there. um, And then, yeah, so we were just like, what do we do now? And and so we were like looking for work. And I was, my wife was looking for work wherever she could find it. I was like, yeah, I'll just do like contract or freelance design work. Um, And so, yeah, she found a job. Like the first job she got was in Salt Lake. And uh, we moved there and it was awesome. Um, 
I would not recommend being a freelance designer. Like, I don't know, like right out of college, a lot of people are telling designers, oh, just like start doing freelance stuff. And I just, I totally disagree. I feel like it's so hard as a brand new designer. Like you're not that good. Mm -hmm. You know one to learn from. You know one to learn from. You don't know how to run a business. Like I didn't know how to get clients. I still don't know how to get clients. What's Um, a client? (laughs) They're the people that are your actual boss. How how far would you go in the opposite direction to recommending uh, a new designer go to a big company? Um, I think that like there's like everybody kind of has to figure it out. Like it, it's kind of funny. Like I would probably not recommend a lot of the things I did, but then they also took me where they I worked am, out. Know? Like it you works. Wouldn't recommend growing up in Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't if do that. If you're a ten year old in Orlando, get out. Um, yeah, man. I I don't know how far I would go. Like I think there's value in it, and like you figure crap out, and like. I feel like for me, it's more of just like, that's what I had to do at that time. And I did it for like a year, year and a half, something like that. And then went in house and I was like, I just like, I'm kind of getting stunted a little bit on my own. I'm only going to get so far. I was still charging like 600 bucks for like a website. Or I think I, I, I doubled my rate and went to like 1200 bucks. And I was like, yeah, like, <laughs> roll in. <laughs> yeah. So like I, I went in house for a little while. Um, I was there for like two years at like a little, um, agency or it wasn't even agency it was like an in-house like uh, event registration company in salt lake city it's pretty boring stuff but it, i was the solo designer and did all that stuff um, like brand and everything else but again realized like i was that was like a big learning curve but i wasn't learning quite as much so um my wife and i had always wanted to go back to barcelona and one day I came home. Going and back to Barcelona? Yeah, I guess we, like, yeah, man, there's too much backstory. We had met in Barcelona. I had spent, we had both spent like a couple summers there. Okay. Um, so we met there. Love Barcelona. It's like my favorite city in the entire world. Because it's all on a grid. Uh, it's all on a grid. And but they in, speak Spanish. And typical, well, not really. Um, they speak Catalan. Um, but in typical Spanish fashion, like they put everything on a grid and then they put like just one crazy ass diagonal road just yep. to break the grid. <laughs> yep. Like it's such an intentional, like against the man type of move. Um, yeah. Like one day I'm, we're in, in Salt Lake. I'm like, let's do it. Like, let's move to Spain. And then we're like, how do we move to Spain? Um, and so I was like, well, after we exhausted all our resources, I was kind of like, I guess I could go back to school. And so I went back to school and got my master's in design and art direction. Um, Again, I wouldn't recommend that anybody like has to go to school. Oh my god! For design, you might be the one person who can answer what an art director is to us. I can't answer that. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit! You heard it here, people. You went to school for art direction. What was your thesis? <laughs> it's not a real thing. Look, art direction are the people that can tell you what to do with the art. Hang on, I'm not following. Um, <laughs> what art? There's people. Sorry, I'm being inven- intentionally vague. Here. <laughs> what? Um, no. <laughs> So moving on, <laughs> um, yeah, actually, so so here's a fun story. Right before I went to Barcelona, we had like we had some time. Um, we had like because you you know you sign up for school. You've There's got, nothing like, in Salt Lake City. You've got like eight or nine months, and I was like I was kind of done with my job. Was, was it like, in Salt Lake that you went to school? No, I went to school in Spain in Barcelona. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Um, but I had some time, and I was like, okay, I'm kind of done with my job. My wife was pregnant, and so that was kind of a. Fun little surprise detail. <laughs> um, <laughs> surprise. So we had a little bit of time and I um, saw a tweet from a guy named Eric Speakerman. Um, and this was like right after like Helvetica came out and I was just like really into typography. And I was like, he said, hey, we were looking for interns in Berlin. And so 
So you went to Eden Spectrum? Like, yeah. Really? Yeah. Holy shit, dude. Um, so I just like uh called them up or I just like sent them a message and I was like, yo, I kinda wanna do it. And I think they were a little surprised because I like at that time I had like four four years experience or something like that. And I think they were like, Oh, you have why do you want to do this? Why do you want to intern? <laughs> and I was like, I just like I need the life experience. I need like the experience I around like really great that. people. Um, like they're just they're incredible designers. Eric's obviously like an amazing, amazing guy. Um, an incredible designer, just like top of the field. And so it's just like, how do I get around some other people that are like super top of their field? So I just yeah, I just did it. Um, my wife was uh, four months pregnant. We sold our house. Well, and she finished selling our house and packing our house. Not husband of the year material. <laughs> um, yeah, and and went there for like a few months. So I'm going over, and I've never met Eric. I interviewed with like some other folks. I was working on their web and interactive team. Um, and I'm in London, like waiting for my layover, and like about to get on the plane. And Eric walks like right in front of me in London, and I'm like, I think that's Eric Spiegerman. And I think I'm going to like on, this is like a Saturday or something. Right. Like, I think I'm going like to his studio and like, and then I'm, I'm like on the plane with him. I'm like, this is crazy. So like I sat like a row behind him and I'm kind of like vaguely, you know, like glancing at him the entire time. Like, I'm sure you're real subtle about <laughs> I'm it. Sure I'm really <laughs> subtle, sweating. And I was like, what do I do? Like this guy that's like basically a design legend. Like, can I sitting pull up a type a, specimen and angle it so he'll see it? <laughs> I'm like, there's no way I can get out of this without saying anything, right? Like he's going to like see me like kind of creeping on him. And then like on Monday, he's going to show up and be like, you're the fucking creeper on the plane. Like, what are you doing? Um, so I was like, I, I got to say something. So I was like, uh, like super sheepish, like walk up and I'm like, Hey, um, I, I waited until we're getting off the f- flight because I'm like, he's so abrupt. Like, what if he just, he's like, he doesn't know who I am. Like, he's like, I don't want to talk to you. Like any number of reasons. I'm like, I, this could go bad. I'm only going to do this at the very end of the flight. So I walk up and I'm like, Hey, um, I'm Josh. And he looks at me totally blank. And I'm like, I'm interning with you still blank. And then just like, he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, the guys told me about you. Like, they're really excited. I was like, I think he's BSing me. Um, But he wasn't. He like totally. Then he like knew like tons of stuff. And I don't know if you guys have like actually met him, but he's like the most personable, like awesome guy that remembers like he just he's one of those like people, 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 you know, like he just gets like he remembers stuff about you for forever. And like something you'll say in a conversation, like he just really pays attention, like knows you. As evidenced by the next thing he did was like, where are you staying? I'm like, oh, uh, I like didn't have a place to stay because I was like, I don't know, I'll find a hotel when I get there. And I didn't have like a like an apartment or anything. He's like, and I, I kind of told him that. He's like, no, 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 you'll stay with me tonight. And I was like, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so he just literally was like, you come stay at my place um, until you find like an apartment and I'll help you like find an apartment. And so, like, went back and, like, he, like, set me up in, like, a guest space. And then we just, like, had cereal together and, like, <laughs> hung out. That's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, there's, like, I think that, like, yeah. So, like, if I would recommend something to somebody, like, it's just go try to find people that are doing cool stuff and get around them because it turns out they're actually just really awesome people a lot of times. Sometimes they're not. But That degree of people person, I think, is rare. It's yeah. hard to be a people person. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. But there's, there's like, they're out there. And I think there's, like, a lot of cool people that are, like, totally willing to, like, do, be super helpful 
And he's like, I mean, that's like, that's pretty ridiculous. I was the like, the fact that you find that, and also, he just happens to be the person who like defined the type for a generation <laughs> of phones that we all had. I know, yeah, like it's pretty crazy. The early Nokia phones, yeah, among like everything else, yeah, all um, the FF shit. So, two questions. First, how did you? What was the process of getting that internship? Um, pretty simple. I mean, we did like a Skype call, and then like I, I guess I sent something over. I guess I had a portfolio attached to it. And uh, they were like, yeah, we want to talk to you. I did a Skype call and that was it. And your portfolio was just the client work you'd done up until that point without having really worked at a company with other designers, yeah. mentors. I mean, again, I, how I had fu- like th- how, how three did you... or four years of experience, but yeah. Like, yeah, it was all pretty loose. I mean, it wasn't like a good portfolio by any means. And it was all like pretty like D-level clients. Like, Why do you think they chose you? No. <laughs> I mean, I think that like there's like again like you have a bit of um like you show a bit of especially at, like when you're applying for an internship like to go in and say like i'm gonna hustle like i'm gonna do this and like i have some experience and i'm not like above like going in for an internship you know i think they're kind of like okay that's interesting like even if you're not the best designer in the world like you're willing to like it says a lot to go yeah. for it's it humble yeah right like yeah a lot of people a lot of designers get egos really early. Yeah. It's hard to shake that then. Yeah. I just like, I think when you're like in the face of people that are really freaking good, it's hard to like feel like. like it's hard I, to have an ego. Yeah. Then. It's hard to have an ego when you're like. Yep. I'm pretty bad. <laughs> like I'm into typography, but I'm sitting there with like, like seriously, we sat and like watched, like we're sitting there watching TV. He's like, yeah, this broadcast, I designed these like headlines and this is my type. And like, like why the hell are they doing that with that type? Like the kerning's too tight. And you're just like next level man like you you can't help but be humble when you're around people that like seriously know their shit so second question do it uh well i guess you're about to tell us a little bit about the internship i suppose i'd be curious to know what you sort of took away from that experience working like getting in with that caliber of people what you took away from that going back to school and onwards yeah uh iteration i think like before that like i had just thought like you kind of come up with an idea and you do it and then um, and then you're done and on to the next thing. And I see a lot of like young designers kind of think that, that they can kind of come in and do something because they haven't, I mean, there's just like a rote trial and error thing to it. And they would keep coming in and I'd work on something for like what I thought was an exorbitant amount of time, like a day or two. And they would just come in and just like, no, just, yeah. Okay. That's good in there. It's good and good. Like, like really encouraging, but also like, no, like just keep going. And just keep trying and try this and try that and try this and try that and like just keep going. And like at the end, I felt like I actually like learned a lot more by just like just keep doing the same thing. Like you saw the same problem over and over and over and you realize that like it takes like a lot of repetition and a lot of like work to figure out like how to do it like decently. So iterations interesting because there's a few different ways you can go about it, right? You can keep all of your artifacts. You can start new files. Uh but over time, it seems like you're just internalizing solutions to really small solutions to really small problems. And then those add up over time as you refine them. Um, yeah, I think at, at this point, like, I think I might deal with it a bit differently than I did previously. How's like, that? I, I used to, like, you generate 100 different concepts and then show them to someone else. And that someone else looks at all of those, either decides on one or picks the different pieces from those. And then, so like someone else is making the decisions for you, 
right? And that's probably what would be like an art director, someone that has like a pretty distinct idea in their mind of what they want it to look like and what things go together and what things don't go together and how you combine different different things in order to communicate a particular message or solve a particular problem. So when you're like pretty young, like that's really valuable to like surround yourself with other people because they're helping you make decisions on all of your different options. So keep all of your options, show all of your options. And then someone else can say, this one's working because, you know, let's say the type is too tight or, you know, like the color contrast isn't working or something like that. Um, and then you start learning like why things are, are working or not working. And that works really well when you have a design org behind you. But when you yeah. don't, then it's like one of the worst things you can do. Right, and you right. have to self-select out of all of your options and then that's impossible. Yeah. So like that's like a bit of the challenge. So now it's like building my own app is like super fun. But um I miss having like somebody else to like, like, I feel like I do a much better job now. So like speaking of like iteration, it's like, I don't generate a hundred concepts. I generate like four separate directions and then like try to solve the problems inside of those directions. You've iterated your iteration. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of microscoped it down. But um, I think it seems to me that that's because all of those micro iterations are happening in your head and you yeah. can get there a little bit faster. Yeah, because like I'm acting as both the designer and the art director. Right. Right. And so like if you don't have an art director, you have to do that. But the challenge of working by yourself is sometimes like it's hard to switch between designer and art director. And you're like, all right, I have three ideas. And like, how do I even decide between those three, which one's best? And that's when it's like good to have people you can like shoot something over to. User testing. They're all the best. Build them all. Yeah. Great <laughs> advice. <laughs> three apps. Great advice. <laughs> three separate. Ad- <laughs> that would be amazing. Some new app launch. I didn't know hyper, what I wanted to do, so I just made three of them. Hyper 1, <laughs> Hyper 2, and Hyper 3. They just have different modals. <laughs> That'd be amazing. It's kind of like A-B testing. Can't make up my mind, so let's no, just no, test no. them just all. ship new apps. And see which one gets the most successful, right? Wait, that's not an angsty. Are, are you opposed to A-B testing? Uh, no, A-B testing is great, but how people often use A-B testing is dumb, which is I can't decide in this meeting, so mm. we'll just build both of them and let the data choose the winner yeah. when's the right time to do that in the wrong time i think like if you're a b testing you're you have a specific question you're trying to get an answer to or specific like hypothesis that you're trying to solve for or prove i don't know if there's a particularly r- right time yeah like but i think it takes a just it takes discipline of, around knowing like what you're testing for can we actually get the results out of the test like you know crafting a test is like obviously there's People are you have. getting clean data? Are yeah. you actually testing it objectively? Right. I think there's there's so many bad A-B tests that like come back like inconclusive or come back saying this one wins. And you're like, how? Do, like, I don't understand how that wins. Um, and then you kind of dig into the data and you're like, oh, okay, well, the test was run poorly. So Great. We wasted um, a lot of time. Yeah. What's the newest news? Uh, Google's A-B testing black links in their search results. Hey, oh, it's just a color of a link instead of blue links. They're black, like the text. So like everyone else makes links. Yeah. But the, the Google spent like notoriously spent so much testing the exact like hex value of that blue and optimizing for something very specific. So like this is a case is it where not it, actually the link blue. I thought it was just the default no, HTML link. Blue. No, that like actually I think they ended that the link blue was the one that performed the best. <laughs> but like they, as test, you'd expect from people who understand patterns, they tested the crap out of it to see if that's actually true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, but I think that's an interesting blue. use case where they're like they didn't just like randomly like oh I want to test different colors which one people like. It's like 
very specifically like around conversion and click through and like they have very clear hard metrics that they're testing against and like can we get those metrics up i can't decide in my head whether that would be frustrating or really fun to have such a massive massive quick way to test little things like that how long would it take them to get to actual like statistical significance half a second one second I guess it depends on the mass of your audience, right? So it could be longer. Yeah, it also depends on what they're testing for. When your audience is the world. Billions of searches per day. Yeah, I, I'm not into, like, the, there's a place where you're testing before you get started on, like, what we should build. I love that. I'm not into, personally, like, it's a thing that has to happen. Personally, I am not into the place where you, like, you're testing a bunch of different variations. Micro-optimization. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, super important. Um, it's the only way that we get like from good products to like really, really great ones, but it's just like not the type of work that I enjoy doing. It's a little more tedious. Yeah. Which some people really like. They some like the, love the systematic. And it's like, it's like if you're a precise person. Those people are called researchers, right? Data scientists. No, I like, it's been amazing to me. Like I, like you guys know this like principle from like Peter Thiel of like zero to one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I like, say zero to one, but I feel bad every time it's referenced with Peter Thiel. I know. It's like, I feel dirty even kind of bringing it up. But zero to one is like basically that like there's a, there's a phase in which a new idea comes about and it comes from zero to one. There was nothing. And then suddenly there is something. And then everything after that is just one to N. So like there's no huge changes from there on out. Like, oh, there's like an explosion happening. And then from there, it's just kind of like evolution. It's um, not an infinity percent difference right, after that. Right, right. There's like exponential growth and there's kind of like incremental, like hopefully growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like, I really identify with like the zero to one problems um, and find myself very, um, there's just people that do the one to N problems way better. There's people that, um, that yeah, like th- that fits their personality. They like taking something and just like making it really good, um, designing the crap out of it. And there's just people that are so much better than that, better at that than I am. Um, I kind of like the other types of problems. So this makes sense because at the beginning you said that you actually prefer working with smaller startups that are just now launching their product. Yeah. So this this adds up. Yeah, I've got to do that like a few times where you're building the very first version of their app and they're like, hey, we have this tech background to like all this crazy stuff in the back end and can you help us make an app and you're like uh Hell all right yeah. <laughs> so here we go let's get to that um but for now so you you have this internship in berlin yeah you learned about iteration i learned about yeah just repetition wrote repetition so what happened and next? a lot about type and my wife was then eight months pregnant when i found that finish so i went uh went back home to the u.s and yeah, did the baby thing. She had our first child, uh, who's now like six, which is pretty rad, almost six. Um, and then uh, we chilled for just kind of took a couple months off. And then when my daughter was uh, almost two months old, we went uh, moved to Spain, we moved to Barcelona. Um, did uh, like a it was like a one year master's program um, there, which was super cool. Worth it. Um, everything's worth it. It's life. Like you can't say like, was it worth it or not? Like it's the journey that I went down and like learned a ton of stuff. And so like, there's certain things that were really cool. Certain things you're like, oh, that was a waste of time. Like I can't define what art direction is. So um, <laughs> maybe it was a failure in that sense. But it was, I mean, it was like, it's like, if you look at life in, in like seasons, right? Like I had just done Berlin and everything is very like, it's just like you would imagine. Like it's 
structured and driven in like grids and everything is so precise. No random Barcelona diagonals. And then like if you go to freaking Barcelona, it's just like expression and like complete opposite. And so you take all of that and just throw it out the window. And as long as you're like expressing yourself and like there's an emotion behind it, um, you can kind of sell anything. Like, so come up with a good story and, and then like the rest will fall into place. Um, and it was amazing to see those two things juxtaposed together. And like, so I love when people like have strong opinions, but it's always nice to know that's not the only opinion. Right. So like, it was cool to be able to see the two of those things like in comparison to each other and, and to know that like you can be both structured and like completely off the wall. So note to self, go spend time in Barcelona and Berlin. Dude, the two, my two favorite cities in the entire world. They're freaking amazing. Awesome. Uh, okay. So you got your master's. Got my master's. And then um, I wanted to stay in Barcelona for a while because, again, I love it. Uh, but that's right when the crisis was hitting over there. And, um, yeah, I just weren't going to get a job. So, like, 2009? I would have been 2010, I think. Um, so I was looking for a job and just, like, Spaniards couldn't get a job there, much less, like, Americans. So getting a visa that just wasn't going to happen. And even if I could, it wouldn't have paid, like, enough even for, like, basic living expenses for three people. So, <laughs> yeah. So then I just started looking for jobs. I mean, I just made a huge list. I made a spreadsheet of like all the companies that I thought did cool stuff it was mostly agencies. Um, and then a couple like product companies. How did you approach what kind of companies you went after? Was, was agencies the thing you wanted and product companies like a fallback or? I don't think I made the distinction like that. I think, I think at that time, like the only distinction was like, agency or in-house right mm -hmm. and i think that i was leaning more towards agency just because i had done like freelance stuff for clients i kind of felt a little more comfortable like when you're in school they like everything's based around like clients and and things like that it's just it's not really meant like they don't really show you how to be a good like in-house designer that's not like a thing people teach um it's all about like how to sell clients and how to pitch and all that kind of stuff so yeah it was just kind of naturally like what i was leaning towards um, and there's just like agencies are also like really good at talking about how awesome they are. So I think they catch a lot of people's eye and they're like, cause that's how they have to survive. Right. Like if they don't, if they aren't good at talking about how good they are, they don't get new work. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I made a pretty big list. There's a bunch of like cool companies. Um, and yeah, Evernote was one of the list. So, um, applied to them. Um, and then they just got back to me and it was like, yeah, let's talk on the phone. I was over there. And so it was like a totally crazy, like getting, <laughs> getting the, uh, like interviews all set up. But like I did like three or four interviews in like six days. And then they got me like a job offer within like two days. And was that for a director role or for just a PD? No, role? no, that was just like, when I joined, there was, I was like, at that time they only had one person, um, who was a head of design, super awesome guy <laughs> by um, default, by default. Design. Gabe Campadonico, super rad dude. Yeah, and so they, they hired like two other people at that time. So like right when I showed up, I was like designer two, three, something like that. Yeah, and so we, we, I, I joined up and, and moved the fam again and uh, showed up in Santa Clara, California because didn't know any better. What was that like? Because at that point in time, so I'm trying to place this. This would have been 2010, 2011. Yeah. This is when Evernote's exploding. Yeah. And yeah. you're <laughs> second designer at a startup coming from an agency background who has a master's in 
art direction. Right. <laughs> what was that like? I mean, it was it was crazy, man. So like when we, when I joined, there's like I want to say there's like 12 million users, something like that. Um, by the time I left, there was like a hundred and over 150. Um, so yeah, it was like a lot of growth. And so it was just like thrown in. Luckily, I mean, the, the head of design Gabe was, um, also like had a ton of like agency type experience. Um, so he was, he spoke the language, he spoke the language he knew, like, and he knew he was like super good at just like guiding me through any of that type of stuff and understood. I mean, also like the, I don't feel like it's that big of a transition if like at that time too, like I feel like so much has changed in the last five years. Like at that time, tons of people were making that transition and like everybody was building apps for like the first time or a lot of people were. Um, and it was the first time that we even called them apps. Right? Well, the app like, store only came out in like 2008, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean like even, and so like you're only a couple of years after that. And so you're really kind of still in like first wave of apps being built. And so, um, like it wasn't like I think that that the landscape has shifted so much in the last five years. Or now you like have to have yeah. some experience building apps. Like then you didn't. Like I didn't have any experience. I had some website stuff, um, and I you know I had like HTML and CSS as something in my repertoire. But that like that's it. It's almost not as a rule, but generally it seems like the gap between product designer skills and techniques and things that you do over there is different from agency work. <sighs> Are you, that's my opinion from, from people I've talked to, like not, not design principles, but the way you approach a problem and the longevity of a problem, things like that. I think as a rule, yeah, I think there's like becoming more and more exceptions to that rule. I think there's a lot of good agencies that are starting to get it and do really good product work. But the way that agencies have always been set up is like, you give me a clearly defined problem, I'm going to deliver something and then I'm moving out. Um, and that's just not how software works at all. That's like right. completely not how yeah. good software gets built. So um agency like folks generally aren't don't have the same alignment on what the real goals are um so it's it's kind of hard to i think even now like when i'm working with people and i know the agency so the agencies that are doing it well i think are the ones that are like kind of building long-term partnerships with companies rather than saying yeah we'll help you design your app and then we're going to put it in our portfolio and move along like that's the type of thing that i think that like they aren't doing great work but the other ones like there are people that are doing really good stuff okay it's kind of a bit of like there's the the neo product design agency I think is doing some cool stuff, but um, neo uh, <laughs> neo. Yeah. neo like the matrix. <laughs> That's what immediately came to mind. I'm like, what? Uh, so you land at Evernote, you're a second designer, and within four years you're leaving as a director of design. Yeah. How big was the team at that point? The total team was like thirty ish uh worldwide like kind of across like we had um some in redwood city some in austin a couple in zurich a couple in uh our china office the split was probably about half or about 10 to a little over 10 10 15 of those were um on the marketing side so a couple years in we split like marketing and product like off into two separate orgs um which tends to be a like it's i think (laughs) kind of funny like a lot of Companies will like at the beginning, like everybody will be together and then they'll split off into separate orgs. And then as they get like really big, then they're like, okay, we need to put them all back into one org again. As it turns out, we rely on each other quite a lot. Yeah. It turns <laughs> out we actually were doing a lot of the same stuff. What people pretty... o- operate in a vacuum. Yeah. If I mean, only. That's, that's a huge thing anyway that's happening. But um, yes, yeah, so we kind of split it off. So, so the product team was, yeah, like 15 or 20 total. Um, okay. I only, uh, I only oversaw a handful of those, like only a couple. What was that like for you going? Going through, I guess that'd be a few doubles at that point 
um, before you'd left, you'd been there four years. Uh, I don't know. I think there's not many people that stay four years at a place. So obviously something was working and, and something was fulfilling your needs as a needs, designer in yeah. some way. Um, yeah. I mean, I think you, you like, I'm always need a new challenge. Like I like particularly need, I think a lot of designers are like this, like every six months or so I need something kind of new. Um, Mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of like that's the I'm cycle. at like the every week phase right now <laughs> <laughs> so I mean there's lots of different ways you can do like side projects and that type of thing like um, when I was at Evernote I, I don't I did like one tiny side project but that was it like it was when a company's growing that fast there are so many projects um, and there's so many things to be done that it's like what do you want to do like you want to try branding so like I did some like branding for a China launch. Like we're launching a service in China. Like that's an entirely new thing that I never tried before. Right. Um, or like you want to build an extension or you want to do an app, like an iPad app, or you want to do something on the web, or you want to like build microsites. Like I did all of that. So it's all like in-house at one company, but when you're like growing that fast, there's so much to be done. Um, you kind of, uh, hopefully you're in a position where, you can kind of say, hey, I really want to do like that thing. Um, and then people like hopefully can give you that opportunity. But there's also times, I mean, there's plenty of times too. I think this is important for a lot of folks that like I, there's a lot of stuff I asked to do and they're like, no, that's not like we have somebody else doing that. Or, I mean, it wasn't always like, yeah, you can do whatever you want to do. Right. Um, Cause I think a lot of times designers are like, oh yeah, like there's something cool. I want to do that. And then like, yeah, maybe you're not maybe, the right Maybe that's the best time. <laughs> yeah, not the best time. You're like, there's somebody else that she can do a much better job than you can. So, um, How like, do you phrase that in a not so <laughs> uh, harsh way? Um, I think you talk about people's strengths. Like I've had people, like I've had, this has happened to me and they're like, yeah, you know what? You're actually kind of good at this. So we're going to have you do stuff uh, in this area. Um, for me, it was like kind of web and you're like, all right, let's get you doing stuff that you're like really good at. And that was web stuff. So did you ever feel like that, that sent you down, down a path of only getting really, really good at that one thing instead of building up a base of expertise in other areas? Potentially. I think that again, like there's enough, like there's always multiple projects. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when we were at, I I mean, like we at one point were supporting like 27 separate apps um, and there's a team of 12. Sounds pretty that. easy. Well, um, there's also an element of like when you're at a company like that, that has to grow really quickly. It's not necessarily about your development. It's like what the company has to get done. Right. Yeah. Especially with 27 apps. Like, holy shit. Right. You don't get to choose your products every time. Right. You're like, this is the stuff that's happening. Like you want to do something that's valuable for the company or do you want to do your little side project yeah. that you think is fun? You're like, well, mm -hmm. side project, obviously <laughs> side project wins. <laughs> obviously both. No, but I mean, I did Have I, them all. I probably was ready to leave Evernote about a year, a little bit, a year before I did, but then there came up like a really good opportunity for me to um, like PM and design like an iPad app. And like, there's like a whole team of like five developers and like a couple designers. And turns out I'm a, not a very good PM. <laughs> so you learned something. Sorry, at least. everybody. Um, Most PMs aren't. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was particularly bad, I think. Um, yeah. That was like, that was totally crazy. So I was, I was doing that and redesigning our web app like all at the same time. And so like all these kind of new projects came in right as I was kind of like getting ready to quit. 
um, or starting to think about it. And then I was like, all right, cool. So like these are some pretty meaty projects. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I learned a ton, learned a ton doing those um, about like project management and like how to get stuff done and what I'm not good at. And <laughs> What did you learn you're bad at in product management? <laughs> uh, or just in general? Um, <laughs> I, in general. I, I'm very good at like understanding um, and coming up with ideas and kind of setting up like really high level um roadmap type stuff but like not very good at like i'm I'm good at like generative thinking and like coming up with lots of different ideas mm-hmm. like a good pm is able to look at a bunch and say like here based on all of the different things and like schedules and requirements and all the different feedback we have like here's the three things we need to do and it's going out in this release and they're like really like really structured and organized about it and kind of keep keep the project moving along i'm not good at like any of that type of stuff um so i really I need to work with people that are good at like helping me narrow in mm-hmm. on stuff. And so I'm again, like that. And like I said, it's the same thing about like iterating on my own projects. Like I'm good at like creating stuff and then I'm like, I have to pull in other people to help me like narrow in on which dialogue. Yeah. The, the other thing I kind of realized through that, which is still like an issue for me, judging by the fact that I like have a full-time job and I'm like launching an app and I've got like a couple other projects going on that are like smaller. Um, I always take on more than I can actually do. Like, I just, like, it's compulsive. Like, it's habitually, like, <laughs> I can't stop taking on too many projects. I think right? that's called being a designer. Yeah, um. <laughs> but, like, there's value in restraint. There's huge value in restraint. I just haven't actually, like, I've learned that in my head. We all that hear that, but then, like, when we try it, it's real hard. I know. So, you said you're really good at generative kind of stuff. Do you think your education helped you get that? Do you think that played a direct role? Yeah, a little a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like one of the things that you kind of learn is like they, they establish a bit of like process and in that process is kind of this this idea that like you start with like a spark and like there's an idea and then you kind of explore a bunch of different options for mm-hmm. doing that. So whether you're like you come up with the ideas like off the top of your head right away or they take a while to come, like that's a valuable piece is exploring all the different options. Like I think that's a thing that designers in particular are taught, mm-hmm. um, whether it be in school or in, be a practice or, or anything else. Like, again, the same thing was like what was happening at Eater and Speakerman. They were t- basically telling me like, you keep trying it over and over until you've like generated all of the different ideas. And so I think that like, that's, that's something that you're kind of taught is, is like keep exploring and keep exploring. And then there's a whole nother process, which is like kind of whittling those down. When do you, when do you transition from one to the next? That's what a good PM's for. Yeah. Like, I think, like, a good PM is, like, somebody that, like, helps you and can, like, really guide you through that and, like, in a good way. Like, a bad one is one that's, like, helping you, trying to get you to move on to the next phase when you're, like, I haven't, like, we don't have the right solution yet. And they're, like, yeah, well, we, we have timelines. And you're, like, well, <laughs> well fuck. <laughs> I guess we'll And on to the next gig. Um, yeah. A good, a good PM is, like, when you find one, like, stick with them. They're, like, they're so helpful to, like, shipping good stuff that brings us to last year you left evernote i did and then we caught up with you uh in january with mr mark hemian at that point you guys were working on design inc yeah uh that was when we last chatted yeah now you're working on your own app and freelancing have we covered your whole life story have we missed any big pieces before we ask some hard questions Dude, that's the life story, man. 
that's cool. the life story. We've covered we got all everything. of everything. <laughs> I think we missed a child, but we got <laughs> Yeah, there's another child in there. There is another child. She's pretty awesome too. Um can I go backwards just like 30 seconds? We'll allow it. Seconds. Do it. Um, talking about value, I've always had this idea, which I think is like, surely somebody can figure out how to make this work. But I've always had an idea that like, can we tie, like really tie everything we do to like revenue? And like, I would love to see, like, let's say you pay me $10,000. Like, did I make you $10,000? And I think like nobody actually thinks that way. Um, they don't think about like the value that we create, but I would, I would just love somebody to be like, like, and I I don't know, I just, in some part of me, I feel like, isn't that like a CEO or head of HR's like role is like, are all these people like actually making us money? I mean, that um, gets really freaking hard to measure because I think of a place like Facebook where you're building products that are quite far. The answer is no, Brian's not making the money. <laughs> They're quite far upstream from where the revenue happens, right? Right, I know, but like, yeah, as as the company gets bigger and bigger, so you're like, saying they should I, just invent a way to measure. I'm that. saying it's like it's it's virtually impossible, which is why nobody's doing it. Right. The answer is like, bots, guys. <laughs> but if we could just type in to a bot, like here's what I'm working on right now, is it worthwhile? And the bot always says no. How much is how I much wanna, is this worth in dollars? <laughs> I want to okay. message. I'll, you have five minutes. I want to message HR bot and say how much did Josh make uh, our business this month, and it will say zero dollars. Negative. Negative, and then in brackets, enter Josh's salary here. Yeah, that's how much it costs. <laughs> There's this guy that, that did an amazing uh, Google Calendar integration. I, I don't even oh, know if yeah, it's totally real. Did you see this? This yeah. is amazing. Where it like, calculates yeah. um, the value of, of every person's time that's invited to the meeting. So, I like, have some skepticism about this because if it's a good meeting, it's a value add, not a value removal. Yeah, but you need to know but, like how much it's I, costing. You. I think like, it was to but make the, it the a thing good then meeting. is then it wouldn't really cost you if it's a good meeting, right? It's well, only a cost if it's a dumb meeting. It's what the business spent in time on that meeting. Yeah, so I think it's more for like a reminder that. But don't, how do you measure, measure the cost of like clarity? Well, that, that would be a good follow up question. Is you need to know like why are we having this meeting and like is it is it worth you know? If yeah, you don't like, know why you shouldn't be having the meeting. <laughs> That hasn't stopped anybody before. (laughs) (laughs) You don't work in a big company (laughs) or a startup. Uh, One thing that's been on my mind for the last um, 24 hours, uh, I have a friend who lives in Mexico. And what I want so bad for him and what I think he wants as well is to get a job somewhere in the United States. Maybe that's in Silicon Valley or San Francisco or something. At a place where design is is valued, but a place that has open arms to someone who's newer in the field, doesn't have quite as robust of a portfolio, wants to learn, has that drive, that has that hunger, a junior designer. After I talked to him, I kind of was thinking like, all right, you know, looking around here, the people we know, who's hiring junior designers? The answer is nobody. Nobody. Can I play a devil's advocate here? Yes. Has he built stuff? Yes. On his own. Yes. His own stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of it? Much of it? Uh, I was working on it. See, you were a junior designer once. I was a junior designer once. We got hired for building things and putting them out there. Mm-hmm. This is a thing that I bring up because my little brother lives in Minnesota, wants the same thing, but for like a developer role. He hasn't really built anything. He just really, he keeps talking about how much he wants it. I'll throw one caveat into that is in order for him to 
accomplish any of this, he has to have a company sponsor visa, mm-hmm. right? For a junior designer. But this is like, you're hitting on like an issue that, that is like a pretty big issue that, or that I'm hearing at least a lot right now. And, it, and it's obviously there are people that are hiring junior folks, um, but it seems really hard to find those. And it like, and I know particularly for the amount of people, the amount of junior designers looking for opportunities, there's not as many as there should be or could be. Because I think that the issue for me, for a lot of these companies is, especially in Silicon Valley, um, but I think other places too, but like here in particular, like nobody's really willing to take the time to really invest in people for like a longer term reward. Again, like the turnover, I think the last statistic like that I saw was like turnover for designers in Silicon Valley is 11 months. So yep. why would you invest in somebody for an, so that they could be good in two years? Like they're going to be good for somebody else. Um, I think that's the, that's the attitude. I don't think that's right. Like there's so many companies that are just like, they, they only, they need things produced right now. And so anybody that hasn't, doesn't have a track record of already doing it. Like, I think the idea is that, I mean, this is how most hiring works is the best indicator of future success is like past success. Because like, if you've done it before, you can do it again. Like, I I think it's uninventive. Like, it's not people like really looking at who somebody is and saying that person really has something special and I can get it out of them. I can groom them. I can like mentor them and they will become a really amazing designer. Like, I don't, I just don't, that's a thing that I just don't see happening around here. Um, and I think there's, for me, at least one really good reason for that. And that's that, um, like Silicon Valley is not, they don't plan. Like Silicon Valley actually prides itself on not planning. They call it at being agile, (laughs) um, in air quotes, like we're agile. Basically we don't have a plan. We're going to like make something and we're going to iterate the crap out of it until we stumble upon the thing that's like really successful. And we're going to ship a bunch of stuff and we're going to A-B test a bunch of stuff because we don't know what the best thing is. You know, I think there's a ton of value to that, right? But like that's how everybody operates. So everybody is consistently on a six to eight week sprint. Like nobody's saying like, what are we doing for six months? Maybe like some of your larger places. I don't know. Maybe I'm hoping that Facebook has more than a six week plan. Um, Nah, dude. But we're on like five months. They have a 10 year plan. Like we, we have goals as far as like, I mean, I work at a startup, but our users change their habits or we'll build a thing and they'll use it in a different way. Like planning out more than six to eight weeks doesn't make sense for us. I, we don't really subscribe to agile as such, but like we're just trying to build the things that our users are basically telling us through their users that they right. want. I, I think that's right. But it sounds like you're saying that that attitude has bled into the way we hire people as well. well adi- I mean, that's how we run. That, that's how we like run businesses and like, right. pro- like that's how we set up our product teams. And that's how like it, it makes it very hard. And I don't, I'm, I guess I'm not really saying that it's right or wrong even, I, although we can talk it's about that It's just an too. explanation. But it's just like, I think that's the thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. And like, so if you look at like all those cycles, like it doesn't make a lot of sense to take a really junior person and try to drop them in to something that's changing so fast and that like you have to be so experienced and have so much general knowledge and then specific knowledge about the company in order to be successful Mm -hmm. there. Um, I think that's, that's why like everybody's looking for senior folks. Everybody's looking for senior generalists. Like I want somebody that can do everything really well. And of course nobody can even pay for them if they could find them, but 
they just also don't exist, which is, I guess, why they call them unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So what what are we to do? What what kind of advice do I give except side projects and work really hard? Is that it? Well, I think that if you're a young designer, you can you can go for it. I mean, there's still like young designers that are doing awesome stuff mm-hmm. that are coming here that are jumping into these startups and like it does still happen. It's not like it doesn't happen. But also like realize there's a lot of options. Like start like maybe you can get in at an agency where agencies typically are a little bit better at like having a a hierarchy or a structure that is like you're a junior person and we're going to like help you grow into being more advanced. Um, Like don't rush to come out to San Francisco. Like if that's not the right thing for you, if you can't find something, maybe get some experience somewhere else and then come to San Francisco Literally um, everywhere else in the world is much cheaper. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like a hard place to, to, to like, I mean, again, people are doing it. Like if you can figure it out, go for it. But um, that's not the only option, right? Like mm-hmm. find, find your own way to learn. Like, yeah, like pick up freelance projects, like volunteer, like call somebody up that you respect and say like, hey, can I help you make something for free? Like if you can find a time, do it as a side project. Like um, make your own stuff. Um, you know, like you got to find somehow like, get some of that experience. Um, and there's, you'd be like actually surprised like how many more senior folks are actually really open to helping those, those people. Mm-hmm. But it is really hard when there's so many young people and you're kind of like, how do I, and I say young as in a young designer, not necessarily like could actually be older people. Um, but how do I help all these people get this experience? So do you I don't think know if I have that a good answer. <laughs> at a system level because of, how much more design is being talked about, how many, how much more software is being built. We're seeing more and more people interested in entering the field. So the, the, the curve of experience is bubbling on the left side where it's younger and younger. Uh, it's almost like the floor has dropped out. The barrier to entry is much lower than it was before. Ooh. I think that's at least partially true. Yeah. I mean, like you can, you can get your hands on the tools, you can get your hands on the resources online, which is like, I mean, that's how I learned, Mm -hmm. right? Like, um, pirated versions of flash, just kidding, Adobe, I paid for them all. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, I think that there's that, but also like, again, like this is a really new, I think that there's, there's, that's the problem that there's an influx on that side, but this is a new, especially in product design, it's so new that there are very few people that have 10 years of experience. I mean, there's just not... There are very few people that have five. Right. There are very few people that have three. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. So, like, to get a good leader, like, I think that, like, that's the thing that companies are dying for Mm -hmm. is, like, the senior leadership or, like, the senior designers or design directors or VP of design. Like, those things are just, like, any... Like, every company I know is kind of looking for one of those people. There's like, tons of designers. There's very few experienced product designers. Right. And so like, that's just like, and, and I mean, like we can all say that like there's people that have a lot of experience and still like it's different than in other industries where you're like, those people have 20 years of experience or mm-hmm. like 10 or 15. And like in design, we're like measuring things in like five and 10. So I think that we just like don't have the experience of building stuff and like, you know, everybody's kind of still learning um, a lot of that. So you don't have like kind of the senior leadership side of the spectrum so that's like the that's a 
big problem as far as um, being able to be in an agile environment where things are moving super fast and you don't have a senior leader that can direct that and also help bring on a younger designer and see where they would fit into like a very rapidly moving puzzle. That just doesn't like, I think that's one of the big problems. So like, so like there's not a lot of planning and they don't have the people like the senior designer folks that can like help like really get a, get the most out of a, a young designer. So I think that like one of the biggest reasons is it's a, it's like San Francisco's problem, not like not young designers problems. Like the only thing that you can really say to those people is, I don't know, man, somehow get really awesome. Then people are going to like you. Are you mentoring anyone right now? No. Why not? Uh, bandwidth. Like it's probably like the same issue as everything else. Like I, I that is take, a very common answer. <laughs> I, I take on too many projects. Yeah. So is that something you're interested in or just, I am interested in it. Yeah. A ton. Um, I would, I'm really interested in like taking on somebody, but probably more like there's a couple of like really cool creative ways that we could do it. We're actually working on something together. Um, there's a bunch of like side projects that, or side projects or real projects that I'd love to like take on and actually build with someone where we, I'm kind of like helping them get that real world experience. So that's something I'm for, like really looking at. I might be trying to do some of that a little bit later in the year. <laughs> so or take so, on maybe like an apprentice or something like that. I think you mentioned this. Briefly, yeah. Because I think that's that's honestly the best way. Like, if you can find a designer that's willing to, like, do, like, an apprenticeship or, like, something like that, like, that's gold. Um, And so I'm just, like, I don't know if I'm, like, the best teacher in the entire world, but at least, like, somebody could learn some stuff from, like, making stuff and, like, walking mm-hmm. through the process and, like, learning from actually doing. So okay. that's going to happen. Learning how to communicate becomes a really good thing here, like by spending time with younger designers in like the Slack team and everything, I've learned so much about communicating what the kind of thought process is that leads to some of the better stuff. Like yeah. it kind of blows my mind. Like I, I never had to think about how to communicate it before. It's just like, I'm just doing this thing. Like I, I understand it innately. I don't have to think about it right. as like, this is the thing I'm doing right now. It's just like, oh, I know that this sh- doesn't look quite right there, so I'm just going to move it around. Then I like figure it out. But that's a really hard thing to communicate. Yeah, like communicating like what we're designing, what we're not designing, like why it needs to be a certain way, or like what the impact of that design is. I think is ninety percent of design. I mean, there's there's tons of like great designs that don't get don't get shipped, don't get like nobody likes it that type of thing but you like have to tie it to you have to be able to communicate like why it's valuable exactly and on that note we're out of time <laughs> now we're out of time uh anything you want to plug before you go uh no follow me on twitter joshua taylor <laughs> hyper app or hyper.fm hyper app.fm app.fm yeah you can go there and sign up if you want to learn more about the uh, hyper app uh and if you want to help me test stuff or just critique the crap out of what i'm uh what I'm designing, I would love it. Joshua N. Taylor at gmail.com. Gmail for the win. I should probably get one of those those uh, email addresses that actually. Joshua at hyperapp.fm. Yeah, that's it. That's the deal. Boom. Thanks, thanks for, for coming the on, time, man. man. Cool. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it was super it. fun. Dig it. That was episode 131. Thank you for listening, and thank you so much to Josh for coming and hanging out with us. That was really fun. Josh is just a rad dude. Super fun. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you think. Uh, we're on Twitter at Design Details FM. Hit us up on our Slack team, spec.fm slash Slack. 
If you are enjoying the show or this is your first episode, whatever it may be, leave us a review on iTunes. We love the feedback, the critique, the comments, and every rating helps us move up the charts, helps new people like you find the show, and we really appreciate that. So I do like you, and we want more people like you. Yeah. You're the best. Of course. You specifically. No one else listening, just you. Of course. Before we go, thank you so much to Wayno for making this episode possible. Wayno is an agency doing incredible design work with a killer team. They want you to know that they exist, to check out their work, and to work for them. To learn more, go to wayno.co. That's U-E-N-O dot C-O. Check out their work. Click the careers link in their header. Tell them we sent you. And if you're a young designer, they're looking for interns for 2017. So hit them up. Tell them we sent you. Thank you so much to Wayno. And we'll see you next week. Love you. Bye.